0: As we continue with the service this morning, I invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, um, as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and we'll be wrapping it up here in, in just a few weeks. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 4. By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, when being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land that they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This is God's Word. Friends, Jesus is our true and faithful hero. The good news is that he gives us faith to draw near to God, trusting in his promises and provision. Who is your hero? Everybody has someone you look up to, right? So who is, who is a hero for you? It could be somebody you currently look up to who's investing in you, like somebody at work or school, or maybe it's a parent or a relative. Or maybe it's someone in your past that had major influence on your life and decisions. For me, when I was in high school, my hero was Kurt Cobain. He was the front man of the great band Nirvana. And for some of you, you're thinking, what, classic rock? Yes, classic rock, we'll say. Right, Kurt Cobain was my hero and when I was in high school I wanted to be in a band and so I grew my hair out and I wore certain types of clothes and I tried to sing a certain way and I played certain kinds of songs. In fact, when I got an electric guitar for Christmas one year, the first thing I did after learning Stairway to Heaven was to learn every song on Nirvana's Nevermind album. Right? Huge influence on me. And so that fueled my uh, desire to be in a band and to learn, just shaped everything about my appearance, even my attitude, for good or for bad, and, and shaped the band I was playing in at the time as a high school musician. But if you know the story of Kurt Cobain, tragically, it's been just that 20 years now. He, his life met an early tragic end, right? He got mixed up in drugs. He uh, had severe emotional baggage that weighed heavy on him and he met an untimely death right and so as a high school student i was crushed man i cried i cried when i heard that he had died because here's a hero somebody i looked up to as i was a young man wanting to be a musician wanting to be a rock star and here's a guy that i had idolized who had met a tragic end i was devastated right In other areas, we can look in our lives and we see that the heroes we have eventually will let us down, whether it's somebody you work with or work for, whether it's somebody who's mentoring you, even somebody in the faith, a hero will eventually fail you. You can look around, even biblically, we have just read several verses recounting, quote-unquote, heroes of the Christian faith, heroes of the Bible If you pick up any random kid's Bible, you will open up this verse and you'll see these are the heroes of the faith. But if you read each and every one of their stories, which I encourage you to do, go back through the Old Testament and look up every single one of these people, they all have tragic flaws. They all fail at some point. I mean, you see the the lineage of God's biblical heroes are littered with murder and lies and prostitution. Heroes eventually fail us, even heroes of the faith. You can look now, if you have been a Christian and you, and you draw from resources, whether it be a preacher or a teacher or a pastor or some sort of author, eventually something will happen that will let you down. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to look far to see scandals that riddle the Christian faith in our world today. You see guys uh, making poor decisions morally or financially or even theologically, kind of going off the deep end and selling millions of books, right? Eventually, our heroes let us down. And when we look at this passage today, what I want us to do is with a mindset that human heroes fail us, I want us to see what the biblical author of Hebrews is wanting us to see in this passage Because the true hero of our faith is not the heroes of men and women listed here, but rather the object of their faith is our hero, namely Jesus, right? We see that every hero fails us except for Christ. We see that Jesus is the whole point of this passage, He's the whole point of the Bible. In fact, he is the focal point of all of scripture. And if we approach these verses today with a moralistic, heroic attitude and say, well, when you leave here, I want you to be like so-and-so doing this or be like so-and-so, we've missed the point if we miss Jesus. So over the next few minutes, what I want us to do, I know there's several verses here, and, 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 and we can't camp out and read every story about every person mentioned here. I, I encourage you to do that. When you get home, read through this passage again and look up in your Bible and read these stories. You'll end up reading most of the Bible. It's great. And you should do that because it's awesome. And it will, in the end, draw you to Jesus because that's the point. So what I want us to do over the next few minutes um, um, is uh spend a few minutes uh seeing how Jesus is our true and faithful hero. So let me pray for us again, and uh, and we'll go from there. Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your people. Thank you that you've gathered us. I pray now as we unpack your scriptures, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir up our minds' attention and our hearts' affection to you. God, that you would stir us up to see Jesus as the true hero, and God, that you would shape us with that good news. We thank you in Christ's good and holy name. Amen. Amen. So as we see in this passage today that Jesus is our true and faithful hero, and this good news gives us faith to draw near to God, trusting in his promises and provision. So first let's look at this. Jesus is the true and faithful hero. We look at these verses and you see hopefully some familiar people, right? You know, you, you have Abel and Cain, you have Enoch, you have Noah, right? Not Russell Crowe, but Noah from the Bible, right? You, you see, you got Abraham, you got Moses, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rahab, on and on, the list of biblical heroes, biblical figures that have been part of God's epic story. But God's epic story has one central hero, and these are all supporting cast members. right? Jesus is the true hero of all of this. The reason these folks are mentioned here is not because of who they are and what they've done, but rather who they put their faith in. Who did they trust as this storyline played out? If you look at these stories, you see time and time again, Noah did not trust in his architectural skills to save him, but he trusted the promises of God's provision for him. Abraham made some really goofy mistakes. I mean, he like pimped out his wife a couple times. He actually turned his back on his wife to pursue having a baby with another woman all In distrusting of the promises of God. But later in the story, he trusts in faith that God would deliver on his promises. God promised to provide an heir, promised to provide numerous relatives, promised to do all these great things. And by the end of Abraham's life, his faith was strong. You see, in faith, Moses did amazing things. But the reason he did amazing things was not because he was just an awesome leader, he was not a great orator. In fact, he had a temper and wasn't good at speaking in public. But we see God used him. Why? Because the object of Moses' faith was the Lord. Time and time again we see this. And in the end, all of this draws us to Jesus because we see that Jesus is the true and faithful hero, that Jesus is the one who does everything that we should do but can't. Everything that every hero fails at, Jesus succeeds in. You see, Pastor... And author Tim Keller says it beautifully, so I'm just going to read what he says. He says this, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel, though innocently slain, has blood now that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. Jesus is the true and better Abraham who's answered the call of God to leave the comfortable and familiar and to go out into the void, not knowing whether he would create a new people of God. Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who was not offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us. And when God said to Abraham, now, you know, now I know you love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son, whom you love from me. Now we can look at God taking his son up on the mountain and sacrificing him and say, now we know that God loves us because you did not withhold your son, your only son, whom you You loved from us. Jesus is the true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve. So we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace to wake us up and discipline us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph, at the right hand of the king, forgives those who betrayed and sold him, and uses his new power to save them. Jesus is the true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the true and better rock of Moses, who struck with the rod of God's justice, now gives us water in the desert. Jesus is the true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his stupid friends. Jesus is the true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk leaving an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate and heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. Jesus is the true and better Jonah, who was cast out in the storm so that he could be brought in. Jesus is the real rock of Moses, the real Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain, so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, the true bread. So the Bible's not about you, it's about Him. Okay, we could end there, but we're going to keep going. So as you read all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, view it through the lens of how does this point to Christ? Not how should you live, how should you do better, how should you try harder, how can you get better so that God will love you or accept you, how can you be a better neighbor. See, all of those things are good, but all of those come after we see that Jesus is the focal point who has rescued us so that we can love our neighbor, so that we can serve one another, so that we can approach a holy God and worship, so that we can turn from sin and wickedness. You with me? We can't get the cart before the horse, otherwise we become lost, angry, frustrated, trying to be heroes only to fail. But if we look to Jesus as our true and faithful hero, we can look at him and say, He has succeeded where we would fail. He has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Therefore, this good news changes everything. That's what I want us to know today. So all of Hebrews 11 is pointing to Jesus. Because everything else before and after Hebrews 11 is pointing to Jesus. So first and foremost, Jesus is our true and faithful hero. Secondly, here's what happens because of that. Because Jesus is our true and faithful hero, we therefore draw near to God. And that is good news. If you see verse 6, and there's so much good stuff here. Verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Important verse here, because all of these biblical characters failed in so many ways, but where they succeeded was the object of their faith. Now, if you've been with us a couple of weeks, you've heard that we've talked about faith as being an ongoing relational trust in a person. Faith, belief, both of those words are used here. Faith and belief means ongoing relational trust in a person. It's not merely intellectual assent. It's not only a theological concept. It's not a feeling. Some of those things may happen. But in the end, faith, belief is ongoing relational trust in a person. And faith is progressive. It grows, just like if you are married, you grow in your love with your spouse. You grow in your faith in God through Christ, right? And the good news is since Jesus is our true and faithful hero, we are given faith, belief, ongoing relational trust. That pleases God. And because of that, we can draw near to Him. Now, if you read this verse forgetting that Jesus is the focal point you could say well I want to have great moral fortitude and theological vigor and I want to do well so that I can get close to God so that he will give me a great reward right that's how I would read that if I forget that Jesus is the hero so but because Jesus is the hero he gives us faith we trust him he draws us near to God and that in and of itself is the reward And we will ongoingly seek God, experiencing intimacy with Him, not being cast away in shame or guilt or because we've made we have we may have a wicked past, but but in Christ we are not cast out or looked upon with guilt and shame and nastiness. Nor can we walk up in pride saying, Well look how awesome I am. Well let me tell you, if you're I mean, we just have the, the these great figures of the Bible who are amazing, and they failed. <laughs> so unless, our, unless your resume looks like Moses, it, it still would be lame in comparison to Christ. Right? And Moses didn't even enter the promised land, just so you know. Jesus is our true and better hearer, therefore we can draw near to God, because nearness to God is where we find comfort, where we find peace, where we find true purity. In fact, James four eight says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I love that verse. There's a brother of Jesus here writing this, saying, Hey, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's not, notice the order in which he writes. <laughs> he doesn't say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, get right, then you can get near to God. No, he says, look, draw near to God. Why? Because when you're near to God... He will draw near to you, you will be cleansed, you will be purified, you will have a new mind. That's good news. Psalm 73, 28 says, But for me it is good to be near to God. I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. See friends, Jesus is our true and better hero, and that good news means that by faith, relational trust, we can draw near to God, and that changes everything for us. And that is a wide open invitation in Christ. Only in Christ can you draw so near to the Lord. So I want to ask you, where do you find your comfort? Where do you find your refuge? Where do you find your peace? Because if it's in anyone else other than Christ, you will not find ultimate comfort, joy, or peace. If you are putting your pursuits, if you are seeking comfort, joy, and peace in your Moral living or your theological knowledge or your traditional framework or if you are finding it in other things that are wicked or good If we if christ is not the focal point then we cannot truly draw near to god But the good news is that in christ Our true and faithful hero we can draw near to god Another thing I want us to see is this is that Because jesus is our true and faithful hero we can trust in god's promises And this is great news here. Verse 11 and 12 says this, By faith Sarah herself received the power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of the heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. That is one beautiful example of God fulfilling his promises to somebody. But look what happens. It says, By faith, Sarah received power to conceive. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. You see, the object of Sarah's faith was not her good moral living. The object of Sarah's faith was not her, uh, her background, her tradition, was not her uh, family tree. <laughs> she received The joy of God's promises because she had faith. She considered him faithful who had promised. See, God is faithful. Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, they blew it. Every single one of us will drop the ball at some point. Even if you are on your best behavior, it's still subpar at some point you're not going to get a good night's sleep and you're going to stub your toe and you're going to drop a word. Oh, shucks. Oh, goodness. Right? At some point you're going to get stuck in traffic and you're going to get rear-ended by some body who's texting. Right? And you're going to be like, what the hee-haw? Right? At some point... You are going to have tragedy in your life, and you're going to wrestle with, what do I really believe? Is this really true? Friends, we all have hurts and baggage in this room. I know some of us are thinking, man, my family is experiencing such hardship right now. I don't know if I can really trust that God, how, does, how can God care for my family when you see the tragedies we're facing? Jeremy, how can God care for my family when you see that we are financially in dire straits, man? Our our, our funding for my business is not going like I thought. It looks like we may have to close or or we may have to move to a different city or we're having intense relational conflict, whatever it may be. You come to a point where you're like, God, do you care? I have a friend, a, a, a high school friend who tragically lost his daughter this week. At age four, what do you do with that? I, mean, I don't even know what to say to the guy. I'm like, uh, you know, does God care about his family? So when we come to that point, we, we can't say, we can't argue with God and say, how dare you? Because look at what I'm doing that's so good for you. All we can do is say, God, you are, you are faithful. I know you were faithful. I don't understand. And if you look at the stories of the Bible, this is why God gave us the Bible. You look at all of these biblical figures who dropped the ball. The reason they failed was because in that moment, they stopped trusting their faithful God. There came a point where they said, God, I'm not trusting that you're going to give me a kid. I'm going to find a way to get a kid. God, I'm not trusting that you're going to go leave me here. I'm going to do it my own way. God, I'm not trusting that you're going to manage these people in the desert. So, you know what I mean? And at any point when people stopped trusting relationally, they stopped relationally trusting God, that's when they dropped the ball. That's when they failed. But the good news is Jesus is faithful, never drops the ball, never failed. He was the faithful covenant-keeping Son of God on our behalf. It's all that. And the good news is putting our ongoing relational trust in Him Taps us into seeing him deliver on the promises that he will deliver on. Right? A couple examples. You're like, well, what what are the promises God has for me? I mean, he promised Abraham that. He promised Moses that. What about me? Here's a few. There's a bunch. You read the Bible. I'd love to get you on a plan to, to just see. Anytime you read the Bible, there's some broad things that are true for all of God's people. Not just Israelites. Not just one family, but for all of God's people. Here's a few. Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Is God saying you're going to be wealthy? No, but He will supply for your needs. Is God saying you're not going to get lonely from time to time? He's not saying that, but He said He he will supply for your needs. And that's good news, right? It's It's a promise. It's in Scripture. Trusting God to deliver in Christ... We can tap into that, and it's a beautiful thing. Another one, John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus, somebody just prayed this over me. You want to know how to make me weep right before I preach? You pull me aside and pray over me? Somebody just prayed this over me a second ago. Peace I leave, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Right, that's a, that's a promise from Christ. Peace I leave with you. Now, yes, he was saying that to his disciples, but it is a promise that Christ delivers to all of his followers. Peace, true peace, right? Romans 10:9: If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. Saved, rescued from Satan, sin, death and hell. hell right? It's good news if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe trust relationally in your heart you will be saved so since Jesus is our true and faithful hero we can draw near to God we can trust in his promises we can also trust his provision this is this is great right but as it is, sorry, verse 16, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God's people longing for a place to belong. And God's saying, I'm preparing it for you. It's over here. <laughs> You'll get there. Right? Right? God has promised to provide for his people a place of refuge. Again, in verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. If you read, if you read the story of Abraham, I mean, let me tell you, once we had a son, I, I weep every time I read this story of Abraham and Isaac. And, and Abraham taking Isaac up to the mountain to, as a sacrifice to worship the Lord, man. I can't even talk about start crying, man. But see, you know, God provided in that moment. I mean, God provided right before Abraham struck down a son in obedience to the Lord as a test. God provided a lamb for them, uh, a ram who was stuck in a bush so that they could have worship together. And somebody once asked, can you imagine what kind of, what kind of conversation Abraham and Isaac had around that campfire? Can you imagine? <laughs> so, Dad... Tell me again about the knife situation. <laughs> and, uh, you know. But, but look at how God provided for us. I imagine Abraham and Isaac had a much tighter relationship with each other and with the Lord after walking through that hardship right? and seeing God deliver on His promise by providing. That's just me. That's awesome. Here's another one in verse 28. By faith, he was talking about Moses and the Israelites here, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Read the story of the Exodus, right? And God is, is sending plague after plague after plague to Egypt saying, I'm God, I'm in control, check me out. And the Israelites saying, wow, look at our God, be awesome. And the you know, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, uh, or Pharaoh especially, having his heart hardened. You know but then God provides for them freedom. God provides for them grace so that the firstborn of Israel is spared. Right? And so for you and I today, we see that God, we look back in the Bible, see that God provided for Noah, an ark, right Noah didn't just whip it up. God, God provided that for his refuge and safety. God provided for Abraham and Isaac a sacrifice. God provided for moses and the israelites freedom they didn't set themselves free god provided that for them right god provided for them for decades as they wandered in the desert gave them food from heaven all right they they weren't farming i mean god just said i'm gonna i'm gonna feed you for a couple decades until you understand that i am going to provide for you right And so for you and I today, we see that Jesus is our true and faithful hero because Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our inheritance. Jesus is the true bread of heaven for you and I today. So in closing, I want to ask you to think about it this way. I'm going to challenge you as you read the scriptures to read it through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our true and faithful hero, not how you can be a better person. Right? That's a side effect of Jesus being the hero. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm not saying go live immoral lives because of grace. I'm saying no, don't live moral lives to win God's favor, but because Christ has rescued you, your life should look differently. Right? I'm not saying be a lousy husband or a poor father. No, I'm saying... You do those things because you've been rescued by Christ to live differently. Are you trusting the promises of God, the provision of God in Christ, trusting intimacy with the Lord because of who Christ is and what he's done? right, you with me? You good? So here's what I want to ask us to do. If you were here today and you are not a Christian, I want you just to reflect on that understanding real quick. Because we're in the Bible Belt. At some point you probably have had somebody tell you about, you need to be like David and get a rock and slay a giant. Really? That's not the moral of that story. The moral of the story is, wow, God took a little guy to do an amazing thing. God's the hero there. That's just one example. So if you're not a Christian, I want to ask you just to reflect on what it means for Jesus to be a true and better faithful hero for you, a rescuer. I mean, to save you eternally, but also here and now to free you from the bondage of of sin or pride or fear, to release you from guilt and shame of your past, to release you from the cynical chip on your shoulder that you may have because of whoever hurt your feelings, right? We, we could all use a little dose of that. If you're here and you are a Christian, I want us to uh, together um, celebrate the good news that is ours in Christ and, um, and grow in the grace and knowledge together. Often here at Redemption we talk about repentance and belief. Repentance means to turn away from something, but to also turn towards something else. It's not enough to say no to drugs. I don't mean to point to the communion table when I say that. (laughs) Let's go this way. (laughs) This will be the bad way. That's the good way. It's not enough to say no to drugs and yes to something else. Right? You, You say no, you repent by turning away from something and turning to Christ. Because in Christ we draw near to God. All right, we draw near to God. We, we, we tap into some grace, inherit some promises, some comfort, some, some nearness to God as a reward in itself. Right? So repenting means to turn from and to turn to. And so um, the call of the gospel is to repent and believe. So may we turn from and turn to Christ. Believing is ongoing relational trust in a person, namely Jesus. That's a call for all of us. If you're not a Christian, that's an invitation for you. And I would love for you to come talk to me or somebody you trust about what it means to follow Christ in that good news. And if you're here today and you are a Christian, the whole of a Christian's life is is repentance. So we need to turn from those things that are stealing our attention and affection from Christ and look back to him. Okay? Let me pray for us. God, thank you again for time in your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray Uh, whether we are looking at very big, broad passages of Scripture, big chunks, whole chapters, or whether we're looking at one word or one phrase. God, I pray that by your Spirit, that you, you, we know you've inspired the Scripture, and we know that you have said that you would give understanding to your people by your Spirit. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to sink this truth into our minds, into our hearts. God, that the grace of Christ would saturate us Lord that you would change us transform us to be more like Jesus God that you would shape us to be your people in a relationship with you and with each other God I pray now as we have a time of response that you would bring about repentance of sin repentance of idols repentance of pride and self-sufficiency repentance of tradition or culture whatever God that you would humble us So that together as a community, all of us together can look to Christ as our true and faithful hero. Not looking to other people to be a hero for us. Not trying to become a hero on our own. But rather humbly acknowledging our need for rescue. And that in Christ, God, you have rescued your people. You are rescuing your people. So Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would do amazing things. That you would... um, Give us glimpses of you fulfilling your promises and provision in Christ, that you would draw us near to you and to each other. We thank you in Christ's good and holy name. Amen.